So as we approach the Christmas season, we're going to be going through a series of messages, which is titled Emmanuel. Now, if you're not familiar with that word, Emmanuel, it's a Hebrew word that simply means God with us. So we're going to be zeroing in, centering in on the first coming of Christ. We're going to be centering in on his advent. So the rest of the month, they're going to be highlighting how God deeply desired and desires to be with his people and how that desire drove him to his first coming and will drive him to his second coming. And so the key verse that we're going to be centering around for this month is Isaiah 7, verse 14. And this is what it says in the ESV. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin shall bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And so today, what I, where I hope to go today, the, mess, the title of my message today is the vitality of the virgin birth. The vitality of the virgin birth. So let's get into it. I'm gonna pray and then we'll get we'll jump right into it. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, God for the opportunity that we had to give unto your kingdom. Lord, all of our resources came from you in the first place. And it's an honor that we get to give them back into you and give them back to your kingdom, Jesus. We thank you, Father God. And we thank you, Lord, for eyes that are open to your truth and ears that are open to understand the things that you're calling us to catch tonight. Lord, we come humbly before you and we boldly declare that we could not and cannot and would not want to do life without you. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. How many of you guys like hot dogs? Anybody? No, this is kind of what I expected. You know, that's okay. Good, right? Yeah, I grew up, I grew up liking hot dogs, but they weren't my favorite thing, right? They weren't my favorite thing. And everything changed for me. Everything changed for me regarding hot dogs when I saw a video of how hot dogs were made. Has anybody ever, everybody ever watched that or had somebody show them, right? And you're like, I'd like mid bite as you're watching this video and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I just done? This is so crazy, right? And some of you, some of us are crazy enough that we're like, you know what? I watched that video and I don't really care. I love hot dogs too much, right? So it didn't really affect you as much. But as we see with that video, when there was like a truth of the inner workings of everything that actually went into the hot dog, it changed our, the way that we view that. And it changed the way we even react to a hot dog. Now that's a silly and ex silly example, but at the same time, I think a lot of us know that Jesus was born of a virgin. We know that just like we know that we like a hot dog, but we don't really know the inner workings of the virgin birth and why God had to come through a virgin. He like had to. It wasn't just some idea that God had to show off his amazing power. Like it was absolutely vital. Like, I don't know if we understand that Jesus literally could not have died on the cross for our sins if he was not born of a virgin. And so today, my hope is that we go, go into the nitty gritty of the virgin birth. Why did God have to come through a virgin? Why did Jesus have to be born through a virgin? And so the answer to that question is pretty simple. And it's a simple concept that's laid out all throughout the Old Testament. 
Now, this is a principle kind of of scripture that God had laid out before Jesus had come to the earth. And this simple concept, get ready. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write this down. The sins of the father are passed down to the children. That is why Jesus had to come through the Virgin Mary. The sins of the father are passed down to the children. This concept is mentioned several times throughout the Old Testament. It's all over the New Testament. We have Exodus 25 and Deuteronomy 5 verse 9. They're literally the exact same verse. And it says, you shall not bow down to them, talking about false idols, or serve them for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Exodus 34, verse 7, it says, Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Again, Numbers 14, verse 18, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third generation and fourth generation. So we get this all throughout scripture. This is the way that God had set it up, is that the iniquity or the sins of the father would be passed down to, would be passed down to their children. And we see this in Psalms 51 verse five. David talks about this. And it, it was a commonly understood belief for all Jews that would have grown up in Judaism, grown up in the Israeli faith. They would have agreed and known that they were born in sin. And we see that exemplified by this verse in Psalm 51 verse five. David writes, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's saying, man, I, before I even did one thing wrong, I was already sinful. Why? It's because the sins of David's father had passed down to him even before he did anything. Now, I want us to catch this concept in a really practical way. And the Lord showed me this really cool analogy, and I'm hoping it's going to work out here, all right? So um, I'm going to use, I'm going to get this analogy a little bit ready in one second. So as we know, God created the world. He created Adam and Eve, and he created Adam and Eve to be completely and totally pure before the Lord. Completely and totally pure. All right, I'm going to set this up just a minute here before we get going. So the purity of Adam and Eve is going to be represented by this pure water. What is it? Ice mountain, purified spring water. Let's go. Come on. So he created Adam. He created Eve in absolute purity before the Father. They were meant to walk in relationship with God. They were meant to hear from him, to walk with him in the cool of the day, and to have deep relationship with God. They were pure before him. But as we know, Adam and Eve, they fell into sin. They were tempted by the devil. And they chose their own way over God's way. And by choosing their own sin, their purity was tainted. No longer pure before the Father. Sin had run rampant in their life, right? Now, this effect of sin was ultimately death. 
But Adam and Eve had no other choice. Adam and Eve would go on to have children, but their children had no choice than other, other than to be contaminated like they had been by their sin. So Adam and Eve, they come together and they have children, but their child has no other choice but to bear that sin. The sins of their father had been passed down to the children. And so this is where you have Cain and Abel, and the sin of the father, the sin of, of Adam and Eve had been passed down to those individual people. And so all throughout the line, all throughout history, from Adam to Abraham to King David, they all bore this sin. And there was no way for any of them to find, to be restored back to the purity that God had desired for their life, right? And so all the way down, it goes from Adam all the way down to Abraham, all the way down to King David, all the way down to Jeconiah at the time of the exile, all the way down to a, a man named Joseph who would betrothed to a woman named Mary. Now, those two represented by this cup right here, I'll top them off a little bit. These two, Mary and Joseph, they, they both had fathers who were sinful. And so, as such, the sins of their fathers had been passed down to them. So, if Mary and Joseph were to have their own son, there's no way that he could be pure. If Joseph was going to be the father of Jesus by natural relations, there's no way that that son would have been pure. And so, what is the solution to this whole problem? We need a new father. We need a new father. And so God's brilliant idea, God's brilliant idea was that he, he would be the father and he would place his seed inside of Mary. And what happens is when the God of the universe places his seed inside of Mary, it touches the sin and it becomes completely pure before the father again. Now, when Mary is able, when she conceives and now she's able to give birth, they give birth and Jesus is born completely sinless. But this is, this is the reason. Now Jesus, he he's, has this sinful nature, but now he goes on to live a sinless life. And then he dies a sinner's death so that we could be forgiven of our sin again, right? So here's the thing. We all, every single one of us, so that, that is the summation. That is why Jesus had to be born of a virgin is because God had to be the father so that God sins, which are no sins at all, could be imputed unto Jesus. And when Mary, when Mary gave birth to Jesus, he was completely sinless before the father and could now be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So now you might be asking yourself this question now, Jared, okay, how does that relate to me? How does that relate to me? Well, here's the thing. We all have been born from sinful parents. And our parents came together. We were born. And we had no other choice but to be sinful. No other choice but to be sinful. The Bible says that all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus says this amazing thing in the first chapter of John. He says this amazing thing in the first chapter of John. And I'm gonna pull it up here. It says John 1, verse 12 through 13. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And elsewhere, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three, he's explaining to him the, the inner workings of the kingdom. And he says to him that no one, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You, how many of you guys have heard of the term born again before? Born again. How many of you guys have ever like really thought about that? Like why? Why do we have to be born again? Why? This is the reason. It's because we were born once into sin. Just like David said in Psalm 51 verse 5. My mother brought me forth in iniquity. We were all born into sin but we had an earthly father who had been corrupted and contaminated by sin. And Jesus knew that we would need a father switch. We needed a father switch. We needed to be born again. And so when we say yes to Jesus, what we're basically saying is, yes, God, I submit to becoming a child of God again. And when we do that, we accept God as our father and now when we are born again, God's sins, which are no sins at all, are passed down to us. And now when God sees us, he sees us as pure and as holy as Adam and Eve before they ever sinned in the garden. This is the life that God is offering us. We have all been born into sin, but Jesus is offering us a chance to find new and lasting relationship with him, with the Father. And when we will come to God, when we will come to God, when we'll say to ourselves and come honestly to him and say, Lord, I don't have it in and of myself. I don't have anything. Lord, I need you to come and I need you to be the Lord of my life. What really happens is you become a child of God and now you, you disconnect from all the sins of your father and you connect to God and you connect to God as your father. And now his sins, which are no sins at all, become your sins. Zero. You're free. You're righteous. And that's what, that's what it says, when you're born again, the heavenly father's sins are passed down to you, which are no sins at all. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says, he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, the importance of the virgin birth. The virgin birth is not just a fact. It's not just a fact that we say or that we sing about or that we even center the whole time of, of, of Christmas around. It's not just a simple fact for us to acknowledge. It's actually a beautifully written, a beautifully devised plan by God so that Jesus could redeem a whole humanity as the sinless lamb of God. But then it's also a foreshadow of 
the purity that could be restored to us when we come to God as sons and as daughters. And so, with the rest of my time here today, I really just want to center in on this, on this fact and on this reality. And I want us to think and take some time to reflect on where we are at in this journey here, where we're at. 